You're listening to Policy Currents, a weekly podcast from the RAND Corporation. I'm Evan Banks. And I'm Deanna Lee. Every Friday, we bring you new insights from RAND's latest research and commentary. It's October 25th. Recent headlines have been dominated by the fallout from America's sudden withdrawal from Syria. Now that it's been two weeks since the decision, it's worth reflecting on what choices the Trump administration had. According to RAND experts, there were three. First, the U.S. could stay in eastern Syria indefinitely. Second, it could prepare for an orderly exit, thereby opening the way for the return of the Assad regime and its allies. Or third, and finally, it could leave Syria suddenly and without warning. The White House lacked an orderly process for planning and executing national security decisions, say RAND experts. As a result, the administration, quote, ultimately defaulted to the worst of these alternatives. There are two distinct grounds for criticizing the decision to abruptly withdraw U.S. troops. First, it has provided an opening for Russia, along with Assad and Iran, to fill the power vacuum. And second, it left the Kurds, a U.S. partner in the fight against ISIS, to fend off an assault by Turkey. Autonomous drones may be an effective way to deliver blood that helps save the lives of U.S. military personnel. Drones could get blood to -to hard-to-reach areas faster and help bolster the military's blood supply network. Using drones could also be a viable solution for some of the challenges that come with delivering blood products. These products have a limited shelf life, and there are unique constraints for how they must be transported and stored. A new RAND report examines key questions about this concept. What's the best design for drones that deliver blood? What are the cost and efficiency considerations? And how might factors like delivery times and extreme temperatures affect blood quality? The authors recommend further analysis to determine the utility of drones for delivering blood in certain critical military missions. RAND's Benjamin Preston specializes in climate risk and adaptation, and its flip side, disaster recovery and resilience. In a new Q&A on the RAND blog, he explains why we need science to help understand the risks of climate change and to better inform tough decisions. He discusses one of the most common misconceptions about climate change, that it can't be attributed to humans. Frankly, Preston says, that drives him nuts. We've been able to attribute climate change to human activity for several decades now. Preston also offers some insights for dealing with the problem. He explains the need to triage climate change. What exactly does that mean? We can't protect everything from the effects of climate change, he says. We can't protect every coastal community or every species, and we can't climate-proof every water supply system on Earth. This is where the triage process would come in. Difficult decisions must be made about what we're going to protect and what simply cannot be saved. And when building new infrastructure, communities need to start thinking long-term, says Preston. Quote, We really need to bring that long-term climate perspective into our decisions so that whatever we plan now is still robust three or four decades into the future when we're dealing with a different climate. What is it like to work in the White House during an impeachment? Rand's James Dobbins, who served as a special assistant to President Clinton in the late 90s, has firsthand experience. 
Dobbins recalls what he deems impeachment season as a time when President Clinton seemed to redouble his attention to international issues. Under moments of great pressure, Clinton seemed to take refuge in his inbox, he says. Dobbins remembers typically receiving one or two documents a month back from the president, with marginal notations indicating that he had read and agreed or disagreed on some point. On only two occasions does Dobbins remember getting back multiple memos on the same day. The first was after the revelations about Clinton's relationship with Monica Lewinsky broke. The second was following the weekend when the president was preparing for his grand jury testimony. In both cases, Dobbins says the president seemed to have sought distraction by, quote, churning through and annotating weeks of accumulated staff memos, which must have numbered in the hundreds. Unlike the Clinton impeachment, foreign affairs are at the heart of today's controversy. And according to Dobbins, it seems unlikely that the current president would embrace the Clinton strategy of focusing on the nation's business and leaving his defense to others. Earlier this month, North Korea and China marked the 70th anniversary of their diplomatic ties. According to the two countries' leaders, these bonds are, quote, invincible and immortal. So how does this relationship influence the U.S. effort to denuclearize North Korea? Rand's Su Kim says that China's support of North Korea boosts the legitimacy of Pyongyang's growing nuclear and ballistic missile capabilities. This makes denuclearization even harder to achieve. But it may also give Washington a point of leverage, she says, exerting consistent and targeted political, economic, and security pressure on China through blacklists, tariffs, and consistent messaging, for example, could weaken the potency of North Korea's nuclear weapons and bargaining power. Restorative practices are methods for resolving conflict that focus on building and repairing relationships. In schools, restorative practices involve teachers and staff collaborating with students and encouraging them to express their feelings in different ways and to understand and respect others. The focus is on healing the hurt associated with negative behaviors. Restorative practices are emerging as an alternative to zero-tolerance discipline policies. According to RAND experts, these approaches are often unfairly criticized as anti-discipline tactics that fail to hold students accountable. While it's true that restorative practices are not a cure-all, they can contribute to an overall solution when implemented well. In fact, there is evidence, including findings from RAND research, that restorative practices can lead to more positive outcomes. What's more, teaching children to treat one another with respect could do more than just make schools safer. It could also help kids get along better throughout their lives. RAND is a nonprofit institution that helps improve policy and decision-making through research and analysis. For more on what we covered this week, check the show notes at rand.org slash podcast. See you next week.